Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. Hey friends, it's Andy. Welcome to our new show, Accelerate Expresso. Look, I mean, I know you're busy, and it's hard to keep up with all six of the great episodes we publish each week. So with this show, Accelerate Expresso, we're going to deliver highlights from each episode from the previous week. And in the process, give you short, delicious shots of insight from a show you might have missed and to help amp you up for the coming week. Now, before we jump into it, please remember to visit iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to subscribe to this podcast. And while you're there, leave a review, please, for Accelerate. We need your feedback to ensure that we keep delivering the high levels of value you expect. Okay, let's express it. First up. Episode 422, Doyle Slayton was my guest, CEO and founder of Zumbi. Now, Doyle boils it down to how do you inspire buyers to take action? And we talk about improving your web presence, making having a cool factor, having process efficiency on your sales, and how to make an easy entry point for your buyers. Yeah, well, right. I, that's one of the, the uh, beauties of, of Cialdini's new book, <clears throat> Persuasion, which talks about that really – what you do is you, if you're the adept communicator, what he calls the savvy communicator, basically telegraphs what they're going to be talking about and telegraphs the importance of what they're going to be talking about. So it becomes important to the listener before they say it. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, differentiation is, that's one of the ways you do differentiate yourself. And yeah. when people form these perceptions and, you know, you'll read other books <clears throat> by Kahneman and others about, you know, how various systems of thinking we have and how our emotions play into that. You know, we as, as humans are sort of programmed to want to make decisions in sort of the easiest manner possible. And so this early, this early differentiation really becomes so key because if, if, you know, people want to make the good enough decision, they don't want to invest over invest in making decisions. Um, so, you know, the ability to differentiate yourself earlier in the sales process and create these strong impressions in the mind of the, the buyer, which are really hard to shake. I mean, again, research shows first perceptions are very sticky. So if you can make positive first impressions or perceptions, then, yeah, your ability to win the business goes up fairly substantially. Now, that can mm-hmm. be integrated with the process. So that's the emotional side of selling. That can be integrated with your process if we're educating people how to do it. So that when they go through their process and they have that opportunity to finally engage with a prospect, they're much more effective while conversion rates will will go through the roof. Yeah. And at the end, what you've got to be able to do is inspire action, right? Yes. You know, and, and, and that's that's the thing because what's the biggest competitor 
we most often lose to is the status quo. Absolutely. So, so we've got to be able to inspire action. So then I started thinking, you know, how do we do these things? I mean, how do we teach people to identify real problems, differentiate and inspire action? So I put a few other bullet points and we'll see what I missed here. You can help me help me fill it in. But I think the first thing is at the most basic level, and this ties into the emotional piece that you mentioned, is you've got to look the part. You can't go to somebody's website and they look like it was built in, you know, in the 90s and, and they just don't look. Um, uh, if they're a technology company, they don't look innovative. Uh, so, so people have to have to get up to speed on that. And I don't think most people like to have to worry about um, uh, rebuilding their website, but looking the part is a key factor. There's got to be, and this might be an outdated word, so may, we might need to pick another one, but there's got to be a cool factor to what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And where people are inspired to say, man, this is really neat. I, I, I like what they're doing. This is something that I've been thinking about, and why didn't I you know, launch something like this? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Peaking people's sense of curiosity, right? So it could be an air of mystery. It could be, uh, it could be scarcity, right? So you're creating an artificial scarcity that that uh, induces people to look further into it because they don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then you know the third the third thing is is efficiency. You've got to be able to show that you're going to be able to help them execute uh, both in in with financial efficiency and activity being efficient as well. And I'll give you an example. I won't mention the name of the, of the company, but I gave them this feedback, and that is that I can tell by going to somebody's website what technology uh, this company is using, uh, if it's any way associated with their websites. So I can tell if they're using Marketo or HubSpot or Pardot, or if they're you know using Google Analytics or AdRoll, or you know any of these applications within their stack to capture leads and to um, you know do their marketing. Right. And the the challenge with this platform is that I have to you know uh, jump through hoops to get from point A to point B. All I want to be able to do is once I've identified, listen, I like this account, I want to work it. Boom. Let me drop it into my CRM. I don't want to have to, you know, send it to a list that later I go to another two or three screens to get to, to then drop my whole list into a spreadsheet to then import into my CRM. That's too much work to do, and it's not efficient. I want to be able to work on the fly. So if, if I'm focused on one account, researching their site, and what, where I can potentially help them, I need to drop them into my CRM immediately, start my my calling and email sequences, and move on to the next one, right? Yeah, That's or, or right, and there's applications out there you can, if you're doing that, you can drop it into your list, which automatically updates your CRM. Mm -hmm. So efficiency is key, right? And then I think the, the next thing that people, and you mentioned this earlier, is uh, people want to know that they're not over-investing or jumping in too deep with you if they're not sure yet, because everybody's confused about what works and what doesn't, is you've got to have social proof and case studies and things that can specifically identify um, uh, a solution that you provided to someone else with a similar problem 
who uh, showed specific gains and returns that you can do for this this client as well. So I think the thing that um, that we've been moving to with some of our clients also is developing uh, case studies and sh social proof uh, to to help salespeople uh, be more convincing, right? And then the last thing is an easy point of entry, right? Is people want to be able to 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 try before they buy, and you know not get locked in. We started off saying, well, listen, there's so much work involved with the types of of um, uh, marketing and sales initiatives mm -hmm. and strategies that we're going to build for you. We really only uh, sign one-year contracts. Well, you know, unless someone uh, knows you pretty well and has worked with you in the past, you know, you've got to be flexible enough to say, well, let's let's we're willing to do six months or let's run a three-month pilot or let's do a trial, right? And get get creative enough to the point where you show them how to do what they need to do. Let's say your software application that you teach them how to get so in tune with the application that there's no way that they wouldn't want it. Mm -hmm. So those were the notes that I was thinking about earlier um, as I was considering the, the elements that would help people identify problems, differentiate, and ultimately inspire action. Next up, Laurie Richardson. This is episode 423. Now, Laurie is the founder and CEO of Score More Sales and president of Women Sales Pros. And in this episode, we talk about how sales research shows that on average, women perform in sales at a higher level than men. So why aren't you making bigger efforts to diversify your sales team, hire more women? We discuss that issue. Listen in. Well, I think for people listening, when you hear that, as really you need to remember this is not this is not some rampant political correctness you know <laughs> no. running running wild this right. is how do we attract the best people regardless of gender to come to our company and work and sell and right. there has been research and we talked about this the last time you were on the show is that showing that on average women sales reps perform at a higher level than male males their male counterparts so if you're you know, VP of sales, and you're saying, gosh, I need to find people to fill these open roles. You want the best people, especially if you're self-motivated, but you know, want to do good for the company, you want to make money yourself. You're going to make right. sure you're, you're interviewing the best candidates. Yeah. And a sales team that has a mix of men and women is going to do better because there's a diversity of opinions, a diversity of strategies. Mm -hmm. I give a talk where I share the, the first sales job I had where they didn't want to hire me because I was a woman. It was actually my second sales job. Um, after I did get hired, you know, I took three interviews, <laughs> took a long time. But after I came on board, within 90 days, I had closed uh, over a million dollar deal that my male predecessor had been trying to close for months, if not years simply because we had different styles, same customer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I brought something different and, you know, it worked. So people need to realize that as well. And that goes with different ages, different backgrounds. You know, it's really good to have diversity of thought on your sales team. On Wednesday, I spoke with Eric Qualman. That's episode 424, if you're keeping track. He's the best-selling author of books like Socialnomics and a famous motivational speaker, 
but recently I'd written a book sort of off the usual track about how to sell using LinkedIn. And we have a great conversation, including why you need to focus on the human-to-human part of selling, even though you're doing social selling. So take a listen. Now, since you, you raised the subject, it's one of the things that's different about your book is that you say, look, hey, it's not just, we're not going to do everything virtually here. We may connect virtually, but at some point, we got to talk face-to-face, person-to-person. And that that's what's missing from a lot of LinkedIn books. It's like, yeah, we can do it all online. It's like, no, 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 this is still sales, still a people-to-people business. It is, and you got to use your EQ, your emotional intelligence more than your IQ. But at the end of the day, I always say these tools do not replace face-to-face. They're there when time and distance are an issue. They're there to deepen relationships, but if you don't use them properly, you're going to use them incorrectly, and it's going to be a, a lose-lose for both folks. And so that's really the the viewpoint of this entire book is those 30 tips really go, showcase, okay, this is where it matters offline, and here's how you combine it with the online together and working in harmony. Which is, I think, what makes it really important for people to pick up and read because, yeah, you don't get that that uh, <laughs> combined perspective very frequently. So you start off, sir, the book, we talk about, you have a lot of statistics, so I thought they were interesting for people to find out is, is uh, 45% more, I think most of these come from LinkedIn, is you know 45% more opportunities created if you're using social selling, three times more likely to achieve quota if you're deeply involved with it. Um, but the thing I thought was sort of interesting, you said 98% of reps with 5,000 plus connections achieve quota, which, you know, the caveat is that's not a clarion call to go out and rush out and make random connections. <laughs> no, it's not. I just thought that that was an interesting data point that essentially, if you're in there connecting, I talk about it as one of the tips, you got to network before you need the network. And a lot of us make the mistake of only networking when we actually need the favor or need the sale, or if it's right. transactional. And so I go in deep on a lot of the tips about don't view everything as a transaction. you got to play the long game, but in a short time frame. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's, okay, play the long game, but in a hyper-accelerated path. So meaning that it might be a six-week process, but don't pepper the person three times within three days. It's, you know, start a conversation, a dialogue. And a lot of it's what you do in the offline world, but we forget that when we get online and we try to sell right away. And that turns people off, just like it would at a cocktail party. So that's why I'm trying to help people out on LinkedIn is that just like in the offline world is there's an art to the conversation online as well. Yeah, when I think people take the perspective, as you said, as something they wouldn't do in an offline world, but online, they feel like they have a really limited period of time to make an impression. So they feel like they have to do it all the first time, the first outreach, the first interaction. No, you're exactly right. That's why I talk about, you know, listen first, sell last. And so as a salesperson, you're like, you're crazy. I got to meet my quota. I go, that's how you're going to meet your quota. And I, I actually do this. Like for our business, when I talked about I get on stage is that my team, when they use LinkedIn, it's a, they take the longer approach uh, and it always works out in the end for us. So it's just listen first. What's their issue? And again, a lot of this stuff's old sales tips, but it's the same that applies online as well. Next up, episode 425, I spoke with Jeff Schmidt. He's the Senior Vice President of Global Sales and Services at ClearSlide. And in this conversation, we talk about the biggest internal and external challenges for sales reps. And they're not always what you might expect them to be. So in your mind, you know, what are the biggest or maybe the single biggest sales challenge you're seeing for sales reps today? Well, I, it, 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 there, are, there are a number of them, and I'm trying to think about how to prioritize that. I think with an, uh, you know, there are a number of uh, tools that sellers use today, and to 
in most cases, little effect because they're spread across a variety of different touch points. But that, that's, that's the challenge, sort of an internal challenge. The external challenge that I think people is really trying to time the buy and sell process and align that more effectively. And, and we see more often than we'd care to admit our sellers are at where they think they are in the stage in the sales process and the buyer is nowhere near aligned either. In, in, in a lot of cases early on, the buyer is much further ahead than our seller or in mm -hmm. some cases our, our sellers then speed to get caught up and blow right past where the, the buyer is and pricing's on the table and they're talking about trying to close in transaction that's not, that's not um, anywhere near ready to do so. So I think ensuring that you understand where the customer is in their process and cycle and what they need to facilitate the rest of their decision. So things like content and engagement sure. and analytics all sort of play into that naturally. On Friday of this week, we had an unusual episode because we did not have my usual Friday to conversation with my friend Bridget Gleason. Had a guest, Eric Sue. Eric is CEO of Single Grain and host of the Growth Everywhere podcast, which is a really excellent podcast. And in this episode, we talked about why content marketing still matters and how content still works to help push buyers through the funnel to the buying decision. Well, last question about content. Is, is content becoming less relevant to buyers? I mean, given the fact that they have so many sources they can go to uh, other than the seller themselves to find out about the seller and the products that are, that are out there and so on. I mean, you know, user forms in place like G2 Crowd, you know, peer-to-peer -peer communications uh, mm. among their own networks. Yep. I mean, so you know what's interesting? I mean, we we just uh, we just signed a new client, and then they actually they G two Crowd and, and these uh, these review sites are very important uh, to them. But they still their sales funnel is they 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 want people to touch their blog first, and then perhaps get on a call, and then you know check out these review sites too, and then maybe send them like a white paper. So content still is very important because you're taking people through a, a buying decision. You're you know hopefully you're, you're you're retargeting people based on behaviors they've taken on your site. Um, and then you're sending them to, you know, these pieces of content. So I think, you know, more increasingly, I, I think that the biggest thing anybody can do in this, uh, that's listening to this is to start building a brand, it's, it, you know, and content is a, is a big portion of it, right? You build a brand, nobody can take that away from you. Yes. It's going to take a while to do. Um, but again, it's, it's very defensible. And in the special Saturday location this week, episode 427, Scott Beebe, founder and head coach of mybusinessonpurpose.com. And we had a great conversation about core values, right? Identifying what your unique core values are and how they help drive your day-to-day -day success. Take a listen. So what dictates then, it seems like, is there conflict between the two? Because which one really drives the decision-making that you make as a, as a business then? Yeah, great question. So ultimately, there's two things that drive the decision making and one more emotional thing that drives the decision making. So your vision story and what we call your unique core values, those are what drive day to day decision making. So what are what are unique core values? Yeah. All right. So the difference between standard core values and unique core values are this. A standard core value would be something like integrity, responsibility. Man, Andy, if you don't have integrity or I don't have integrity, we don't need to be right. doing business, period. Like right. that's the low barrier to entry to the human race. Okay. Um, and, and integrity, responsibility, excellence, all those things we typically hear as standard core values. 
What I want to know is what do you, Andy, value that me, Scott, I may not value. It's not wrong that you value it, but I just don't value it. So let me give you an example. We've got a client who recently put together a, a unique core value list. And usually we shoot for three, four, or five because we want them memorizable. Mm-hmm. And so one of his core values is clutch performance. Now, Andy, I got to be honest with you, man. I am not into clutch performances. I don't no, want to no. win the game on the last second. I want to win it in the second quarter and ride out the rest. Right. Yeah. And so, but this guy lives on it. He's a high D personality on the disc profile. Right, right. He lives for last second shots. Well, that's a great example of something that he values. I don't value it. It's not wrong. He likes it. That's good. But it's something he values that I don't. Now, so what's the real play on that in day-to-day decision-making? Well, he's a concrete contractor. Concrete, when you're pouring concrete, man, it's all last second. I mean, <laughs> I it's just, it dries. <laughs> you know, and so when they make decision making, they make it through the filtration system of those. He's got four of those four unique core values that they've got laid out. Um, got another guy. He's a home builder, builds two million to five million dollar homes. One of his core values is edgy. Well, when you walk into one of his homes and compare that to some of the other homes in the same neighborhood, right away you get it. I mean, you just get it. And so when he's making decisions on interior trim and molding and all of these things, he's making it based on his core values. And it's what separates him. And by the way, it's what he uses in his sales messaging because that's what separates him as well. So that's it, friends. Another excellent week of Accelerate, the world's best sales podcast. Please take 30 seconds right now. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review. I personally want to know what I can do to make this an even more valuable resource for you. For our regular listeners, I'll see you bright and early Monday morning. For everyone else, we'll see you again back here next week. Until then, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales, we're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.